And there again, in our communities, we, we suggest, hey, look to bless three people a week with either word, action, or gift each. Just, you know, word blessing, easy peasy, right? Maybe an action, ask the Lord to show you who, or some small gift, right? What if you bless three people a week? And can you imagine how different a neighborhood would be that has a community of people living this way? Or a handful of families, or maybe a big missional community. What, what if everybody in the community and in that neighborhood was seeking intentionally to bless three people a week? So let's say there's a dozen of you, you know? And you're blessing three people a week. That's 36 blessings happening every week in your neighborhood. Just small, word, action, or gift. Do you think people take notice? Do you think it would change the dynamic of that neighborhood? Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Well, hello again. Good to be back together, as always. Hope you're having a great week. Here we are, middle of the week, depending on when you're hearing this, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's been the busiest week of my life. (laughs) This Everyday Disciple Challenge has exploded. There are thousands of people watching these videos and engaging, and thousands of comments have come in on the videos and takeaways and cool little live videos of people posting their ah ahas, and so much homework. (laughs) And I hope you caught day one of the training, which is what is discipleship, where I gave you a really practical working definition and kind of twisted your head a little bit around that. If you haven't heard that, you sure want to. And then yesterday, we shared the audio from the training, and it was about our gospel identity, the foundation of everything when it comes to discipleship. So you definitely want to hear both of those. They kind of build on each other. But uh, yeah, the water's fine. Come on in. Continue listening to this. Feel free, and in fact, I'd like to you know invite you to join us over at the Everyday Disciple Podcast Facebook group. That's where the live videos are happening. That's where the replays are. That's where all the comments, and you can post your homework and win prizes and all that kind of stuff. So come on over. You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook and join us there. But uh, I want to give you day three of the training today. We're going to talk about discipleship rhythms and the normal, ordinary rhythms of life that God has created the world and your time and schedule and everybody else you know in. And maybe or maybe not, you've heard me talk about this before on the podcast, but I'm going to talk about it in light of all that's going on with the church being so scattered and our social distancing and all that. So I think you're going to love it. Go ahead, give this a listen, and then I'll be back at the end with a few of my thoughts. Today, we're going to be talking about discipleship rhythms in all of life and this idea of moving from thinking discipleship's something additional to be kind of added into our lives. But what if we could see it as something where it's already happening, but we just have to be intentional about it. And I want to tell you, today is kind of a two-parter, today and tomorrow. I mean, they stand alone, but tomorrow is going to fit today and the resources like crazy. You'll see. And what I'm going to give you today is this general overview of rhythms and some homework to get started doing some stuff. But tomorrow, I'm also going to give you a framework for how you help other people move from, hey, this kind of sounds like a good idea, all the way through embracing it and then starting to live that way and then help others do the same. 
and, and this is how we teach and coach. And I'm going to, I'm going to give you that framework tomorrow. So it's kind of a two part thing. It's kind of a two part thing. All right. So I, I hope you're being encouraged. It sure seems like from your, uh, <laughs> from your, your posts and your homework and your notes, you sure are. Let me go ahead and share my screen and we're going to get started. Okay. We're going to get started here with uh, discipleship rhythms. Okay. So what did we learn yesterday? Uh, we learned yesterday that we're all created in God's own image to be like him. And we don't have to do anything for that to be true. That is just true of us. It is. How about it? Right. <laughs> um, our identity, our true identity flows from God, who is, is three in one. So our identity is Trinitarian. Yeah, that's big. And a lot of you posted about that. That changes things. We think our identities in Christ. Yes, but do you think about you are created in the name of the Spirit, right? And rebaptized, immersed in that identity. That's what it means to be a disciple and be a Christian. Okay. And then we talked about like this is what's true of us as the church that we're a family of missionary servants sent as disciples who make disciples. That's almost tattoo worthy. <laughs> and we looked at our doing flows from our being. In other words, what we do ultimately flows from who we believe we are. And sometimes we think, and a lot of you posted this, I know, where you believe, you know, I think, I know, I want to believe this, but I still feel like I have to earn and I have to do certain things as a Christian to kind of earn God's favor and love and all. And, and I just want to say you don't. Someone was asking yesterday about, well, how do you separate this doing where in scripture says, be doers of the word, not just hearers. Absolutely, that's true. But here's the difference. And, and if you read that, that statement in all of its context, you realize what's going on there is being doers, not to earn God's love and favor, but because you already have it. So don't just sit back and hear the word and nod and go, yep, uh-huh. But be doers, but not to earn, not to prove anything. We're free. We're loved. We're dearly loved right? So that's what we learned today. Now today I want to start talking about these rhythms of life and discipleship as a lifestyle um, through the lens of these common rhythms of life. First off, I want to talk about that discipleship in community is both organized and organic. It is, okay? Just like your normal family life, remember the church is a family, and when you start building out communities, oikoses, of families, right, on mission together, like neighbors and friends and all that over time. Just like your family life, life has organized things, you also have organics, lots of them. Like you have organized things in your family, like you have to pay the bills on a certain you know, day of the month, pay your mortgage, go shopping, do some chores, maybe help your kids with homework, get them off to school. There's a handful of organized things that we schedule, right? What time we eat dinner maybe and all that. But from those few organized things, Lots and lots of organics flow, right? All the in between the cracks, the stuff of life happen. But if you weren't getting together ever, if you weren't doing your organized things, then the organics couldn't happen, right? So like, think about this. When, when we do like Thanksgiving dinner and, and we have lots of people come, like not just Team K, but like the extended Team K, right? And we have to say, oh, what time are we doing that? Are we doing it actually on Thanksgiving? Yeah, we're going to do it then. Oh, what time? We have to organize that. And, and what are we cooking? And who's bringing what? And, you know, and all that, right? But while we're doing that little organized part, while we finally have the meal and that day together, oh, the conversations that happen and the fun out in the yard and, and then the plans to, oh, my wife and the, and the girls are all going to get mani-pedis later, you know? And, and I decide, you know, I have a conversation with my son-in-law 
and you know, uh, how how you doing with treating my daughter, right? You know, and all that, you know. And so all these organics come because of the organized. And I want to tell you, life in discipleship is the same way. There's going to be a few things you got to organize. You know, like getting together and having a meal and maybe like what days we're going to pray together or what days we'll study and all. But you're not going to try to jam it all into one little event, right? You're just, you can't. You can't make a disciple like in a couple hours a week or something like that. Just like you can't raise kids that way. Life in community and life on mission, making disciples is going to have both organized and organic. And I'll tell you, when you give yourself to this as a lifestyle, and I'm going to give you these rhythms of life in a minute, you'll see a few organized things with intentionality lead to all the organics where our gospel identity flows into them and the gospel is spoken and experienced and displayed and God is glorified and it helps people move from unbelief to belief in every area of life. So let me ask you a question. Which do you most which do you most uh, tend towards? Are you, are you more organized or are you more organic? Like it's in your own life and ministry, let's just say, but however you want to see it, do you tend more to the organized? You know, like I like to have everything in order or more to like, I like to let it flow in, in the organic. Both are important. Both are needed. Which, which do you flow to? What do you think? Give me your thoughts there. <laughs> Yeah, see, both are needed. Here's the thing, when it comes to disciple making, if everything we do is just organized, like a meeting to a meeting to a meeting, that's not life on life, and that starts to feel like a program, and so people start feeling like a project and a program. But if all we do is organic, like, well, you know how we make disciples, just like whatever, like whatever happens, whatever comes up, then you're probably not making disciples. <laughs> you're probably not, you're probably just having a little social club, whenever it fits people's schedule. See, we need both organized and organic. I'm seeing both coming in, organized, organized, task focus. Yeah, right? Remember, there was Martha and Mary, <laughs> right? So we need both. What I'd encourage you in is, whatever you tend to most naturally lean towards, the organized or the organic, then look to grow in the other and partner with and do ministry with and discipleship with people of the other strength. Remember, we need both, <laughs> okay? We need both. All right, so let, let, me, uh, let me take us on, and I'm going to start talking about these six natural rhythms that once you see these, we all live in them, okay? Everybody you know lives in them. Adam and Eve lived in these rhythms, and so did the, the, you know, uh, Israel and the disciples with Jesus, and you do, and everybody in every culture and country in the world has these same six rhythms. And so it's not like, oh, I can't do, do discipleship. Uh, yes, you can, because you're already living in these rhythms. It's not a matter of additional. It's a matter of intentional. And I'm telling you, this is going to change everything for you. It really is how, how you realize how discipleship really can and does happen and how God has perfectly ordered this world, your world, th this life for discipleship, helping people move from unbelief to belief about him, becoming more and more like Jesus, filling the world with God's glory. And wouldn't it make sense that God has ordered the world to work this way for us? Yeah, it really does. Okay, so let me go back to my screen real quick here. And uh, so I'm going to talk about these rhythms, okay? Discipleship in everyday life. There's six of them, and it doesn't really matter what order they kind of go in. They're all, you'll see, they all kind of intertwine in all. 
But um, instead of feeling like you have to add a whole bunch of other activities and events to your life and schedule, and then talk everyone else in your life or your small group or your church or missional community into attending these events, yikes, um, I want to show you how the everyday rhythms of life are full of gospel opportunity and connection as the family. And you start to think about those identity statements yesterday about we're being a family and missionary and servants and disciples who are sent. Living that out, being leads to the doing, but in all of normal life that you're already living. Okay, so here's the six rhythms. Story formed. This, and that's a made up word. It's this idea of, of being shaped by story and having a story and connecting your story to God's. I'm going to go through each of these. Listen. We're always listening. But who are we listening to? Hmm. Right? Everyone's listening. Everyone has a story. See, these are common. These are already going on. Celebration. Uh, you, how many celebrations do you go to in a year? And there's, there's you know, <laughs> holidays and all these different things. We'll, we'll talk about that. Eating. All of us eat in rhythm. Everybody in the world does. Most of us eat, at least, you know, in the West, three meals a day times seven. If you're in Norway, you know, parts of Scandinavia, four times a day you eat, right? There's a lot of rhythm there that you can intentionalize for the gospel and for discipleship. Bless. We've been blessed to be a blessing. It's one of the original sort of mandates of God to his family, Israel. And there, there are opportunities all around us and needs to bless people in very simple and practical ways. I'm going to show you. And then this recreate. This is two words we put together. Uh, it's this idea of rest and create. We rest in Christ's completed work. Right? It is finished. We're free. We're family now. We're restored. Our identity is true and held by him. And out of that rest, not to earn or prove anything, we can create beauty and value and work and bless others. And these all connect with each other. They really do. So maybe take a screenshot of this or write these down, but I'm going to go through them real quick. And I could teach on each of these for an hour, like no problem. And I have, <laughs> you know, in our communities, right? Okay. So, um, Maybe you've heard me teach on these rhythms before. I don't know. I, I, you know. I've been teaching on these for years because these are foundational to how we make disciples in regular everyday life. So this may be a refresher, um, but it's absolutely key to unlocking discipleship and gospel intentioned relationship in all of life. So after I go through them, then I'm going to give you a tool and a method for integrating them into the lives and rhythms of your family and those of your friends and in community, and in your church with others, okay? So I know you're going to have questions. I'm going to try to get to them all, but, um, you know, I'll have to do it at the end, <laughs> okay? So here's the first one, story formed. We all have a story, right? Everybody has a story, and all of our stories are a part of, ultimately, God's bigger story. And by the way, God's still writing that story. Like, it's, he's still fulfilling his eternal purpose to fill the world with his glory. Jesus is coming back. So the story is still being written, and we, we're eternal beings. How well do you know how to tell your story in light of God's story? This is important. We can learn to tell our stories through the lens of God's story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. How well do you know the story of God? We teach in our communities the story through many, many weeks something called a story-formed way, and it's all narrative and dialogical. So story and then questions. And we always, always, always see people come to faith and deepen their faith and move from unbelief to belief in all kinds of areas. Now, we've done this story. I've done it personally all over the world, probably 30 countries. 
and we've trained thousands and thousands. I can give you copies of all this. I'm going to give you links to those stories and those narratives. Let me ask you this. How well do you know the stories of those people God's called you to disciple? Or even the people like maybe in your small group or church? I'm not talking about like, I know, well, they're from Chicago and they got two kids and he works over here at the, you know, at the mall. No, no, like their story, getting to know each other's stories well enough that we know where our unbelief lies so that we can do discipleship, right? Help people move from their unbelief to belief in the gospel. This is big, getting to know each other's stories, telling our stories, our testimonies, but through the lens of God's stories and helping people connect deeply to God's story is integral to disciple making. This next rhythm is listen, okay? Listen, we're always listening to someone and we teach our disciples and in community and people we coach that we need to learn to listen both backward and forward. We listen backward to God through his word and through the story, okay, right? We listen backwards, who's God? What's he like? What's he been up to? What's he doing? Is, is he consistent? Does he ever change? And we listen forward through the Holy Spirit and through others in community who also have that same spirit, your brothers and sisters. Part of discipleship, and we have to cultivate this because most of us aren't very good listeners. I don't know. How about you? Are you a good listener? <laughs> but even when it comes to our prayer times, we, we've realized that we have to, like Jesus, learn to listen more than we speak. Let's be honest. In your prayer times, okay, with God, who does most of the talking? You or the omnipotent Father God of the universe who holds and sustains all things, <laughs> right? See, in our, prayer, in our prayer times, we usually just kind of come to God and bomb him with a list, and then we split, and God's like, yeah, but oh, I wanted to tell you I loved you. I love you, <laughs> you know? And we're like, yeah, but I got to go. I just want to give you my to-do list. And I want to encourage you to cultivate, try this. Add this to whatever quiet time or spiritual disciplines you have, whatever. Spend 10 minutes a day just listening. It'll be hard at first. Like, try it. You'll be blown away by what God's wanting to tell you, right? Can you imagine? It's like, I use this analogy. Maybe you've heard me tell it. You inherit like a, uh, from your uncle, you inherit a, a 1963 split window Corvette. That's my favorite car. It's just amazing. They didn't make a whole lot, but you inherit one from your uncle. Problem is it's all in boxes. It's in a million parts. But your uncle, while he was alive, told you, no, 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 I got it all here. and I'm going to put this thing together. Every part's there. But you inherited it. And now you're trying to figure out how to assemble this thing so you can drive this and enjoy it, right? And you're out in your garage kicking around working on it. And your neighbor comes over and says, hey, what are you doing? He says, well, I inherited this 1963 split window Corvette. I'm trying to put it together. And uh, he goes, wow, that's crazy. I used to, you know, he's an old guy. He says, back in the 60s, I worked for GM. I actually worked for Chevy for their Chevrolet division. And you're like, oh, that's cool. And you're busy and you're working. You're telling him what your plans are. And he goes, in fact, I was an engineer and a designer. Um, I designed the 1963 Corvette. Yeah, I was one of the guys on the team. I know every nut and bolt and wire and every and why and all that. And, and then you just proceed to burn his ear on all your plans and your problems and what you can't find this part. I don't know where the nuts for that are. And this doesn't seem to fit right. And he's like, but I, and this guy knows it. And see, that's, <laughs> that's how we are with God very often. Cultivate listening both backward and forward in your own life and with those you disciple and with those that you disciple. Yeah. Yeah, Cindy, right? Jennifer, yeah, amen. Here's the next rhythm, celebrate. We live in a rhythm of celebration. We do. We all do. Think about how many parties, 
birthday parties for nephews, nieces, siblings you go to, holiday parties, Super Bowl, work-related, neighborhood. You see, it's not a matter of adding to your life. It's a matter of bringing intentionality to those celebrations. You know, God loves to celebrate. And the church should be the most celebratory people on the planet. Wouldn't you agree? Think about it. Like, we get to live forever. We're free. We get to live out our true identity forever in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing. See, people should look at the church and go like, well, I don't know if I believe everything that they say, but boy, oh boy, you want to get invited to their parties because these guys can celebrate. That, that should be our rep, <laughs> right? That should be our street cred, that we are the partiers. Think about it. God mandated for Israel a series in the law, a series of festivals that they were to participate in annually. There were seven major ones and a bunch of little smaller ones. And in each of those celebrations, those festivals, the whole nation came together throughout the year. There were, some of them were days, some of them were weeks. And each of those celebrations were both a, a, a reminder of who God was and what he was like to them and, and, and a demonstration of how they could then live throughout the year. And then you jump ahead. What's Jesus' first miracle? Like right out of the box. It's at a celebration. It's at a wedding feast. And he turns a couple hundred gallons of water into what the Bible says is the best wine that the, wine, the professional wine steward had tasted. It's like, whoa, what are you doing pulling this out now? A couple hundred gallons three days into a celebration. Now, why was that Jesus' first miracle? Why wasn't it like, you know, if, if it was up to me, I'd go right straight to Children's Memorial and heal all the babies, right? And say, oh, Jesus did all that, you know. I am convinced because at the heart of understanding the kingdom of God, you have to understand the Father's heart. And he's not angry, and he's not distant, and he's not ticked off, and you don't have to try to please him. He's got a heart of celebration, and he wants our lives to be full. Remember Jesus, when he said, I came that you'd have abundant lives. And so Jesus' first miracle is at a wedding, and he creates hundreds of gallons of wine. See, God is a God of celebration. How can you be the bringer of the better wine to the next picnic or barbecue you go to or throw or throw parties, right? How can you bring the best and not just what gets by? How can you come with, a, with an intentionality of living out your identity as like, I'm going to treat everybody like family here. Or I'm going to be a servant and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help set up. I'm sticking around. I'm helping to clean. I'm, I'm clearing plates. I'm getting people their drinks, you know, and refilling things. Like see how you, your identity can flow into those with some intentionality and you got a zillion options. Here's the next rhythm, okay? The next rhythm is eat. Okay. We all eat at least three times a day, right? Some of us more, <laughs> right? And that is like 21, let's just say, let's just use that number, 21 built-in opportunities to express love and gratitude and be with people. Like maybe a little organization has to happen, but then the organics of conversation and serving one another and being family and treating each other that way. And people who are far from God yeah, I can't tell you how many times we've had people over to our family dinner nights where like, and people literally like they're like dying to get in. Like, when can we come to one, like the team K family dinner? You know, they, they like, I, we just, I don't do this. I've never done this. Like what eating? And they're like, no, I've never, like our family doesn't do this. We don't sit down and eat and, and talk and encourage one another like this. And there's no fighting and there's, there's joy and there's grace, right? What would it look like to start to have three meals a week? with just not yet believers or people you're discipling. Okay, I'm not talking about three dinner parties, but what if you, what if you just prayed and said, God, show me who to have like breakfast with one day a week or coffee. 
And, and on one, one night a week, we're just going to set it in the calendar. We're going to start having like kind of an open table where we go, hey, you know, this is a night we eat anyway. We're, you know, it's already happening and we're going to eat anyway. But that'll be the night that we just do something real simple like soup and salad or whatever, pizza night. And we'll just always know we can invite anybody. Hey, open table Thursday night, come out and do it. And, you know, what if you had like one lunch with somebody that you know each week? But not maybe if you're at work, it's not the same people you always go to or you're skipping work just, so you, can, you know, skipping lunch, I mean, so you can get out early. What if you just intentionalize three out of 21? It's kind of like a tithe. How much more evangelistic fruit and discipleship would be happening if you just intentionalized a few of those meals that you're already eating? See, no extra time required, right? Same with all these parties and celebrations that you're going to. You're going anyway. Bring your identity. Bring the gospel intentionality. I'd say start with one. You know, who, who could you have a meal with, but with intention each week? Start with one. This next rhythm is bless. Blessed to be a blessing. <laughs> wow, right? Like we have been given so much blessing in our life. Think about it. Think about all the things you own. Not just stuff, but what about education? What about relationship? What about your health? What about you know, the stuff too, like tools and a house and cars and, you know, resources and maybe money and savings and maybe an extra home and a place to, you know, relax and think about all the blessings you have. I want to, I want to tell you, and I want to challenge you that you've been given all those both to enjoy and you've been blessed to be a blessing. What would it look to, like to start taking all this stuff that you already have and enjoy and that God's pouring into your life? And remember, it all came from him. You, you weren't born with this stuff. Like me, I'm guessing you were just born naked with nothing, you know? And guess what? That's how we die, right? So you're not taking any of it with you, but it's, you've been given all these blessings. What would it look like to start blessing others? And, and, you know, here's how we teach it. We look to bless maybe people in either words, actions, or gifts. Those are three types of blessings. Easy, easy to coordinate. So who could you give a word blessing to today? You know, really encourage them. Point out the image of God in them or thank them deeply, you know, for who they are in your life and how you, they bless you. Words, right? How about actions? Who could you serve today? Some small little action of service, right? What would that be like? Or gift. Maybe a small gift to bless somebody or something you know they need and you've got so you can give it to them. Or maybe, you know, that neighbor that you've been seeing him, you know, just pull on his, you know, lawnmower cord and just it won't start and he's cursing that thing. Maybe, maybe you buy that guy. Maybe a bunch of you in a community pitch in. You buy old man Tucker a new, you know, a new lawnmower so he's not going to have a heart attack and, you know, get so angry trying to cut his grass, right? Or maybe you cut it for him once in a while, right? Words, actions, or gifts. And there again, in our communities, we, we suggest, hey, look to bless three people a week with either word, action, or gift each. Just, you know, word blessing. Easy peasy, right? Maybe an action, ask the Lord to show you who, or some small gift, right? What if you bless three people a week? And can you imagine how different a neighborhood would be that has a community of people living this way, or a handful of families, or maybe a big missional community? What if, what if everybody in the community and in that neighborhood was seeking, uh, you know, in this community intentionally to bless three people a week? So let's say there's a dozen of you, you know? And you're blessing three people a week. That's 36 blessings happening every week in your neighborhood. Just small, word, action, or gift. Do you think people take notice? Do you think it would change the dynamic of that neighborhood? 
It'd be powerful. And by the way, you can lead your kids to do all of this, words, actions, or gifts. Hey, when you're at school today or when you're out playing today, who could you, who could you encourage with your words? Who could you bless with a small gift? Oh, we can make this. I can make a card for her. It's her birthday. Or I can make a card for the old lady across the street. She's all by herself. She's widowed or she's a single mom. Let me go over there and just help her flip laundry and I'll help her fold or you know, watch the kids while she you know, gets a little break off her feet or, or something, right? Bless. Learn to bless intentionally and think of it through the lens of what we talked about yesterday. We're a family of missionary servants. <laughs> we get to do this, right? Not that you have to, but you get to. And the last one is recreate, okay? It's recreate. This idea of rest and create. And really, it's the idea of Sabbath, right? In our communities, when we first started teaching all this, Sabbath was a bit of a weird word and people quite, couldn't quite understand it. You know, it's like, Sabbath? Is Ozzy Osbourne still alive? How old is that guy? <laughs> you know? And so we, we called it recreate because it was this idea of resting in the gospel, in the truth of who God is and what he's done in and through Christ and what's true of us. And then out of that, we can work and produce beauty and create. Not to earn, not to be our own provision, but we, because we get to, right? And, and then through that, we get to bless others and build relationships and hear people's stories. And we can listen to God for how should I bless them? You see how these all connect together? You see how these all connect together? This is powerful. And when you start to bring little, you know, intentionalities like this, let me tell you a blessing story real quick. Let me, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to start, uh, stop sharing my screen for a second. In our neighborhood in Tacoma, this is several years back. And again, you may have heard me tell this story, but it so perfectly illustrates this. There's an old guy uh, in our neighborhood who, um, his name is Hal. And I used to walk past his house once a week and back past his house another time to borrow a lawnmower because uh, Jeff Vanderstelt and I live a few houses apart. And uh, we would share, you know, lots of stuff, right? And so I was sharing this, this lawnmower. And every time I'd walk like just like five houses away around the corner, get that lawnmower and cut my grass and walk it back. So it was four trips, right? Go get the lawnmower, come home, bring it back, come home. I'd see Hal very often working on his yard. And he's super old, like a million, <laughs> you know? And he's this old guy and he's got the, oxygen bottle swing in there, right? I mean, he's old. And I, I, you know, got to know him a little bit here and there. And I started noticing he was cutting the parkway of his lawn, you know, that part of grass that's right out by the street there with this little orange electric lawnmower. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of pathetic. If you got one, sorry. <laughs> you know, they're just not very wide. And, and he had to uncoil this like 100 foot extension cord from up his stairs because our house is in Tacoma. They're kind of set up high like that and, and roll that out. And he's old and he's got this oxygen, right? And he said, I said, you know, I started thinking, I'm walking past his house with the lawnmower when I take it to my house. And then when I take it back to Jeff's, I'm walking past. His parkway is only this wide. Though my lawnmower is about half that. I could accidentally cut his lawn just by leaving it running when I walk past his house one way and one back. And I said, hey, Hal, would, would you like me to cut your lawn for you? Like the parkway part so you don't have to drag this all down. He goes, oh my gosh, it would save me like 45 minutes or an hour every week. And I said, well, I'd be happy to, brother. And, and that started a relationship with him. And then he blessed us. And he gave me some things I needed for my yard. And he started having us into the house. And then we started inviting him to every celebration and barbecue. We did a barbecue like every Friday night. And we still do lots. <laughs> but for years, we did it on every single Friday night. And, and, and Hal and his wife, Gail, they would always, always come. And 
I could, I could talk about how all day I won't, but see, I'm not boasting in that. That was nothing. That was just like intentional in something I was already doing in life, cutting my grass. But I saw the opportunity and then built a relationship with him and then his wife. And maybe I'll get to tell you the story later of how this affected his son in a big way. And I get all choked up when I tell it, but I, I don't have time right now. Okay. So I hope you're understanding and seeing how we can bring intentionality to the normal rhythms of life. By the way, not only do you have these rhythms, but like I said earlier, everybody you know is eating meals, going to parties. They have needs for blessing. They have a story. You can play and rest with them, right? And show and model like we rest. So oftentimes we're the most freaked out, busy, frenetic people in the world as Christians, especially those of you who lead the church. And what are we modeling? Does it look like a life worth imitating? You see what I mean? And these rhythms, they're all interchangeable. And I want you to think from yesterday, your identity, family, missionary, servant, now sent as disciples who make disciples, and how that naturally flows into those. In fact, I'm going to give you here in a minute a tool where you can think through these six rhythms, and you can think through the lens of up, in, and out. So up is our connection to God, right, and our identity. In is like with family and community, and out is with others. And I'll give you examples of how they all interconnect. And once you see your family, missionary, servant, identity, uh, you know, disciple, identity, those four things, like matrixed across the six rhythms, and then you take those and you go, but there's an up expression and an in and an out, it's endless. Like it's a matrix of like, oh my goodness, you're right. This is true of me. This is all happening and going on. I just need to bring intentionality to it. And you're going to make disciples like crazy. I'm not kidding you. With through the both organized and organic lenses. Okay, you see how this framework? I love to teach you more and go deeper in this. <laughs> There's only so much time. I got to keep. I got to keep us moving. Okay. Um, let me. Let me. Let me. Before I forget, I want to go ahead and go back to share my screen, and I want to give you that uh, that download. Okay, download that six rhythm sheet where it really explains those rhythms, and it's going to give you that sort of up in out version. Okay. Now I was not going to give you this till tomorrow, but I'm going to give it to you today. Um, there's another sheet you can get. If you go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash 30 ways. Um, so the first one to get the rhythms, it's everydaydisciple.com forward slash rhythms. Okay. I, I want to give you 30 ways to stay connected to people during social distancing. Now I created this a few months ago and wow, it was popular. And, and we started doing a lot of them and we started doing a lot with other people. That's still kind of going on. And depending on your neighborhood and your own risk levels and all that and you know your community, and this isn't, by the way, all just Zoom stuff, <laughs> okay? I know people are getting sick of Zoom, but it's a part of it. it. It's part of how it works, but that'll give you 30 more ideas, okay? Of, of ways to stay connected to people and live out these rhythms flowing out of our identity even while doing social distancing. So go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash 30 ways for that, okay? So let me ask you, um, is, uh, is this discipleship? You know, like your daily family dinners, could that be discipleship? Heck yeah, <laughs> heck yeah. And which is that? Is that organized or organic? Hmm, maybe a little of both. How about this? Is just, you know, helping a friend move or any other acts of service, is that discipleship? Yeah, it really is. Many hands make light work, right? <laughs> I can tell you so many stories helping people move and serving them and how it built relationship. And they couldn't believe like, I have a family now, right? 
Is that organized or is that organic? <laughs> Think through this. How about this? Hanging out with friends, getting some coffee, or you know, going out maybe to a local pub or something. You know, why not invite others to show up and join you, even if only for a few minutes? Like we in our community, we started committing, hey, whatever we're out doing at all, let's just invite everybody else in the ICOS. And we use a little, you know, like WhatsApp for that or something like that, a little texter. And not everybody can make it, right? But that little bit of organization, hey, Tina and I are going here. We're, you know, we're going to go quiz night tonight at the pub. Anybody want to join us? Ding. That's the organization part. Organically, some people are like, heck, that'd be fun. Yeah, others are like, no, I'm busy tonight, but have a blast. Yeah, there's some people at peace there. I'll be praying for you. Yeah, that, that could be discipleship too. How about taking your kids to the park and maybe inviting some neighbors to do the same? You know, sprinkling, you know, like life stories, share your stories maybe. Listen to people deeply for where they live in unbelief. That's where all their pain's coming from. Whatever people are complaining about, listen for the unbelief behind that. How about going to a movie with some friends and then maybe talking about it? And what are the gospel implications of that? Or where is it not in line with that? Or, or maybe you just have fun, <laughs> right? Either way. Or how about grocery shopping? Tina has taken more people from our community and neighborhood shopping over the years. It almost seems ridiculous, but she's really good at hospitality and making food and making people feel like family. And oftentimes people are like, oh, I'm so stressed with that stuff. And I don't know how you afford to do this. And she's like, listen, let's just, I got to go to Costco anyway, or I'm going over here. Let's go together and I'll show you what I do and how I save a bunch of money. We'll come home, we'll cook together. And they're always, yes. Yes, I love to do that. So could even that be discipleship? It sure could be. <laughs> it sure could be. Remember, we talked about this yesterday. The kingdom of God expands at the speed of relationship. And the gospel then moves along the pathways of trust. So all of these organized and organic rhythms of normal life, when you bring intentionality to them, they're great opportunities to build relationship and then as you build trust, the gospel, people will hear good news from you and they're seeing it in your life. It's powerful, right? It's powerful. I'm going to remind you that tomorrow is kind of part two of this. And I'm going to give you a five-step framework, like five stages of framework that help people, oh, like how do you share this stuff? And then how do you help them embrace it and then start to live it and engage it? And then some equipping tools and then Oh, now look at, they're doing the same with others. Like, I know you want that, especially if you're leading a church or a small group or a missional community, or maybe you're a church planner. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you how all this connects together and how you start moving yourself and others through these five stages and they work. And it's really, it's, I, we didn't make them up. They're just built into the way God's made us, but I'm going to point them out and give you that full framework tomorrow. Okay. So, so what do we learn today? We learned that discipleship, like all of life, has both organized and organic rhythms to it. Yeah. We also learned that God has created the world and all cultures with common rhythms of life that we all live in. So we don't need to really add a whole lot to our life. We might have to organize some little aspects of it, but it's really more about intention. Mm -hmm. These six rhythms, they give us handles for discipleship and mission. They really do. Like, like in our community, we post up, here's our identity, family, missionary, servant, disciples. We're a family and missionary servant sent as disciples who make disciples. And we post up the six rhythms. And we, that really is a huge, organic, natural framework for discipleship. But sure, there's other tools in how we study the word and how we do the story of God and all those things. By the way, I'm going to add that 
to the homework post today where you can get the story materials. And by the way, we also learned today, if you didn't pick up on it, we're always in discipleship mode. It doesn't matter what we're doing. If there's people around, we're discipling them. We're either showing them what God's like, like, you know, like I'm at the grocery store in line and the people behind me, they either see someone who's patient and prefer the, prefers others and is generous and, you know, wants to help, or they see someone who too often is just nervous and wants to get through the line and I'm hopping back and forth and I'm like, <sighs> when the lady in front of me can't find that last few cents to pay her bill, like, let me just pay it for you, you know, right? See, we're always in discipleship mode. But what are they seeing? Are we helping them move from unbelief to belief in the gospel? Or are we reinforcing that do to be, right? So that's important. Now, tomorrow, I am going to be giving away gifts. And uh, I'm going to be loading you up. Oops, sorry about that. I'm going to be loading you up with some gifts. And um, some of them, like I said, you have to be here live. <laughs> and others, I'm just going to like, boom, I'm going to like pull the names and, and I'm going to send you some stuff and I'll give away some gifts a little later on too, like maybe this weekend. Cause I want people to be able to catch up with their homework. I know some of you are having to do this on replay. So, okay. So don't miss tomorrow. I'm going to give you these five stages of how you help others move from, Hey, these are new ideas, church <laughs> and how they start to, you know, you move them through this, right. And, and starting to embrace this. All right. So don't miss tomorrow. It's kind of part two of this, and, and it's going to be packed again. Um, let me give you your homework, okay? Let me give you your homework for today. I have to go back to my screen. I'm back and forth a lot today. So I'm going to post this, this picture here, okay? And um, when you see that and post your homework below that, again, I appreciate that. Most of you yesterday, you did that. All your homework, loads of it went right in that post. This will be day three's homework in there. And this is your homework for today. Pick one of the six rhythms that appeals to you most. All right? Yeah, which one appeals to you most? Is it listen? Is it celebrate? Is it eat? Is it bless? Is it story? You know, right? And, and then I want you to write that down. This, and why? You know, does this, does, this, does this appeal to you most and why? Second, how will you engage in that rhythm, whatever you pick specifically, with who? And when? Is it today? <laughs> like, who could you bless today? Words, action, or gift? Or who could you have over for a meal? What do you think? Or who could you say while you're having a meal, hey, um, I'd like to get to know your story more, right? Pick one of the six rhythms. This is your homework. And who will you do it with? And, and if not today, when? Because some people say, like, you know what, we're going to host a barbecue and we're going to invite a bunch of neighbors like we've been meaning to. And this COVID thing is loosening up. And so or we're going to invite some neighbors, whatever, you know, whatever the law is, follow the law, right? Okay, then, then put in there like, we're going to do this. And we're going to do it on Saturday. And then I want you to come back and tell me how it went. All right, be specific. So don't just put like, uh, listen rhythm as soon as I can. No, like which rhythm and why are you most appeal, you know, appeals to you to get started with? I don't suggest trying to tackle all six rhythms, just pick one and specifically with who and how, right? And then download the, download the homework sheet where this is all spelled out again. You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash day three for the day three homework, okay? All right, did you, did you love that? Does that not help give you hope that like your whole day and life is filled with opportunities for discipleship and for the gospel to speak into all of life? 
and, and not only yours, but everybody else, because we all live in the same rhythms, right? I hope that was powerful for you. And I would love to hear your thoughts, and I'd love you to join the party and post homework and all those types of things. So if you've not yet joined us over in the podcast group on Facebook, please do. You can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash Facebook and uh, join the party over there. Would really love to hear your voice and your thoughts on all this and your questions. Been hopping in there. It's been pretty phenomenal <laughs> how many questions, posts, homework, all that stuff. And we've been up late and, you know, Tina and I are rocking through this, but we are loving it. We feel so blessed and so connected to people all over the world. Tomorrow, I'm going to drop the fourth part of the the challenge, day four, and I'm going to help you understand how to find the right missional balance in your life. And we're going to, we're going to discover how Jesus balanced his time and attention and also how he moved his disciples from just being sort of newbies and curious onlookers to mature disciples. And this will help answer the, how do we do this? Like here in our context with all that we're facing now, that's going to really help answer that question. All right. So I hope you'll join me tomorrow for that, for part four of the Everyday Disciple Challenge. I hope you're enjoying these special episodes. Can't wait to get into that training and I can't wait to share it with you then. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day.